The Mortal Yogi Podcast with me, Dougal Meacham. Hi there, welcome. This is the uh, last lecture in a three-part Why We Meditate series, which we've been uh, having over the last couple of weeks um, with our Meditate course, which is actually just started last week and we got a nice little gang uh, we're gonna talk meditation we're gonna meditate of course and uh, over the next 10 weeks um, running up to Christmas it's um, uh, it's already a really really nice little uh, group we uh, many different people from uh, around the world different backgrounds and um, I'm really looking forward to the program we haven't done it in its this 10-week format like this before um, and uh, I'm really happy because uh, people are gonna get the time to um, to really get into the habit of sitting and being uh, being with themselves and being comfortable uh, with themselves so so far uh, in the uh, um, in these in these little lectures, we've uh, talked about um, qualities that we kind of be nurturing, uh, we, that you nurture as you um, as you sit. And the first one was um, steadfastness or stability. Uh, in a world where we are pulled this way and that, where we are um, constantly on the move and on the run, steadfast quietness, stable stable quietness is is a wonderful antidote to all of that um, just sitting and uh, allowing stuff into your mind into your heart good bad and just watching it this is sounds very banal but it's actually pretty radical actually pretty different from our normal um, response. We're always moving away from a lot of the things that we feel more driven crazily by a lot of the things we are thinking and feeling rather than sitting there and watching them. Um, and so steadfastness was the uh, kind of first quality. And the second quality was then what we called clear seeing in uh, Chinese, the Taoist pantheon. This is called Ming Xin. Clearness of mind, clearness of heart. It's just simply watching. Watching thoughts and ideas and concepts, not labeling um, and not analyzing. Just seeing what's, what is uh, around deep down in the darkness of your consciousness. This is, of course, um, Carl Jung's big um, understanding of our minds was that there is a huge iceberg and most of the iceberg like in any iceberg in the sea is not known so when you sit down you just um, understand get to have an understanding of what is down there and um, and uh, thirdly we talked about um, experiencing some of these uh, thoughts and ideas, not running away from them. If there's a big one or a, uh, a heavy one, staying with it. And uh, 
why well the uh, the practice tradition goes that if you stay with these ideas and thoughts and emotions long enough just like a little child who is scared of the dark if you stay there and comfort them and rest in their place without dramatizing and kind of um, uh, making a big fuss of the situation you get a very clear comfort with that and finally we come to um, come to the last aspects of uh, meditation um, and uh, these two are probably my favorite ones um, the fourth quality that we have um, is so uh, kind of iconic almost of um, particularly Zen meditation it's just attention to the now attention to the moment here this sounds and all of these things you know sound easy or sound yeah common sense and they are but no one does it there's a Taoist story that uh, a, a poet a poet wandering a valley sees a Taoist master in a tree and and uh, asks him what is the essence of Taoism and the master says be here now and don't do any bad stuff and the poets like well duh everyone knows that and the master up in the tree who <laughs> seems to be actually floating in the tree as all good Taoists do when they get advanced in their practice <laughs> uh, he says well everyone knows that the Taoist master says but nobody does it and so we you will find you might intellectually understand that being in the now makes total sense and sounds like a good thing to do and a good feeling to have but as you sit down we will often overwhelmingly find that we have a lot of resistance to be being here and when I talk to students and practitioners this is often because we have a lot of comfort and security from being in our mental planning and fantasizing state thinking what can I do tomorrow what do I feel about yesterday this actually gives a lot of um, security we can fix COVID we can change that we can do that we can arrange this we can work on that we can we can uh, file our memories in a, in a photo album or in our Google photos or whatever and that actually provides us a huge amount of certainty and kind of concreteness sitting down and just being in the now is not particularly an entertaining thing it might not be overwhelmingly fun but just being here is exactly the habit that we rarely nurture and there's a lot of resistance to it and this resistance a resistance to relaxing no matter what comes is Buddhism and and a lot of psychology says getting comfortable with the unknown is 
is incredibly powerful, you'll see that each moment is totally unique. It's totally unknown. Our fantasy world is, by comparison, very predictable and graspable and gives us a grounding of security, but it's not real. It's just stories in your head and plans for tomorrow and, you know, a flu jab for this and a mask for that. Not only I'm talking COVID, but metaphorically also like an insurance for this and a planning of that. This conceptual overlay gives us a overlay on reality. And conversely, meditation, you sit down this moment, the next moment, and the moment after that won't ever be the same. They'll be unique. And if you really sit down, often we'll find that we are actually very, very uncomfortable with that non-predictable state of mind. But life isn't predictable. Life and reality cannot be always as we think it should be. Now, obviously, there are some people who like unpredictability, you know, like bungee jumping and uh, drugs and sex and uh, crazy business ventures or travels to exotic or dangerous places or (laughs) seeing what happens when they spend all their money shopping or seeing what happens when you mix Red Bull with alcohol and sugar. (laughs) Maybe that one's not so unpredictable. Um, Or, you know, seeing what happens when you throw a tantrum with people Many people, in some ways, have an addiction to uh, uh, unpredictability. And, but up to a point, like that's, in a way, that's a kind of control as well. Like they are, they are, they love being in a certain place where other people are uncomfortable. It's kind of a little bit of a power trip and certainly uh, an attention-seeking um, uh, exercise quite often and they can kind of get it the way they want it in the kind of precariousness of their chosen um, chosen um, folly their chosen um, seemingly crazy thing and so for these people, and often like uh, they're often adrenaline-seeking things, which are actually moving away from um, uh, from unpredictability. They're actually addicted to the absolute surety and surety that adrenaline will come with what they're um, doing. Meditation on the converse, although it seems very predictable on the outside is going to the your emotional kind of bungee jump, if you like. You just sit, and often we resist this. But over time, this becomes less and less and less and less. And you begin to become settled with the unpredictability of your mind, of your body. And, you know, don't worry. 
junkies and uh, uh, freakazoids who like doing edgy stuff, there will always, any meditator will tell you, when you're in meditation, there will always be a new thing, a new edge, a new, a new experience. And over time, steadfastness happens, clarity happens, courage happens. And so, actually, and, well, and in the same way as that the kind of, like, uh, these thrill seekers have a kind of arrogance to them, some spiritual and meditator people, meditation experts who've been around meditation for a long time can have an arrogance to them. Uh, this happens, I'm sure, anybody in yoga, you know, that many yoga teachers can seem or actually are quite arrogant because they've become comfortable with handstand or with crazy both legs behind their head or whatever. But don't worry, if you talk to these people or get to know them well, you will know that they have edge in life. They have things which worries um, them. The practice of meditation is sitting down when you're really chilled out and something will come, some thought, some idea will come. You know, I, I may come across in these talks as being kind of chilled out, um, but there are people in my life who out of nowhere can cause me to be a complete madman. <laughs> Often my wife and my kids and my family uh, my father is very good at it also. Um, we have very different politics, um, very different opinions about things. And um, you know, there's, there's an old man that I adore. Uh, um, just has He knows how to push my buttons. He knows me very, very well. And um, <laughs> uh, my spiritual kind of cover is blown uh, with him. It's um, very uh, humbling, very... Um, embarrassing in some ways because he shows what he knows exactly how to kind of wind me up um, but uh, over time um, I've come to enjoy enjoy these in, in a way he's uh, he's showing me where I'm finickety and where I'm prickly and where I'm, where I'm grumpy in a way people who um, humble us and blow our cover who drive us mad, well, in the East, they are called gurus. <laughs> in the West, we often just call them people who upset us. Um, but you don't want to be, you know, on your deathbed to find out that the nurse who's looking after you with politics totally different to you drives you crazy and you die angry at the nurse. <laughs> I think it'd be better... Um, over time and time that you have to grow really what this is is to grow a flexible mind a flexible heart a liberal open mind with yourself so many older people are irritated and grumpy and grouchy and um, very opinionated and very stuck in their ideas and their their um, buttons are pushed continuously and um, that's just nuts um, 
if you spend time with uh, meditators, often they are the most uh, soft, happy, and I don't mean they're a pushover, but they are able to handle um, anything which comes into their mind uh, fairly easily. And that kind of leads us into the, into the last quality. A large part of why we meditate, I think, so if we've had steadfastness, being with whatever comes, clear seeing, seeing what comes and seeing it for what they are, just thoughts in the head like clouds in the sky, experiencing the more intense and sometimes darker ones and watching them dissolve. What we've just talked about, being in the moment, being here, being now and not being attached to making plans and and trying to create stability in a world which is by look out the window look out the window we are not in control it's raining today where i am i didn't plan that and i have to change my plans for a couple of things i had done outside like walking the dog very simple thing so the last quality, and you'll know this if, if you, you can pick this up, if you meet people who say they meditate, this is kind of like a, like a, a swab test and whether their meditation is working for them, is they have a big um, attitude of no big deal. And that's what I'm trying to get, about, get at here. They're very flexible. They have a lot of insights and feelings of grace and softness and they may have changed incredibly over the time of their practice and you'll even meet them on their deathbed and they think it's funny they, it's no big deal now that is obviously asking a huge amount but it, and this is not a no big deal as a kind of a cynical statement. It's like you don't care. Subtle kind of, I've given up. You've seen it all and you don't really, it's no big deal. This is, you've seen it all and seeing it, seeing it all, you have kind of fallen in love with everything. Whether it's up or down or left or right or black or white or good or bad. This is the sense of no big deal that I mean. This is very common to the most inspiring meditation and yoga teachers that I've met. It's opposite from a seriousness and high stakes. Everything is so important and you've got to get everything right. Actually, that is paranoia. That is fear that we gotta, we got to have our hands on the steering wheel of life or bad stuff's going to happen. We are not, we don't have our hands on the steering wheel of life. Nature has the hands on the steering wheel of life and will be around long after we are gone, which <laughs> maybe not that far off, maybe not our lifetime, but you know, a couple of hundred years. Um, so, you know, I, if I remember uh, a story back from my early yoga 
um, early-ish yoga years, um, I remember I nailed, absolutely nailed the pose, which um, I'd been working on for a while. And I was like wandering around like a peacock who'd just gone up a level. And I was feeling better than <laughs> really what the pose um, uh, justified in terms of pride. Uh, I thought it was very important and I was excited about telling them. And, uh, and I thought like he would, I would gain some new respect and uh, a little bit of good karma, etc. And uh, he just kind of gave me like this, um, just like, yeah, uh, no big deal. Um, I actually said that, um, whatever. <laughs> and I was very, very upset. Um, he wasn't being insulting or, uh, or dismissive. Um, he was just going like, yeah, well, that's what kind of happens when you do a lot of yoga. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of people in yoga who, you know, nail uh, a level 25 pose or whatever and have a lot of pride and a lot of um, uh, ego coming with um, this. And you can pick it up on they're too busy to talk to you and they have a lot of stuff and they got a lot of people talking to them. And there's an, they are afflicted a lot by arrogance. And uh, by contrast, many people go the opposite direction. You can't do a pose, or you cannot um, do something, and you self-denigrate. We have a low opinion of ourselves, and we feel the opposite. Yoga asana, yoga poses, and particularly the culture of modern yoga, um, is a little bit uh, messed up in this way. Yoga is really not about what you see on Instagram and in magazines and all that uh, kind of stuff. It's, yoga, at least originally, was about our interconnectedness and abiding, our steadfastness, our being in the now, our experiencing uh, reality. Uh, so, so, yeah, you, no matter how much progress you make, no matter how far you get, there is a massive kind of, kind of, you know, Keanu Reeves or Bob Marley or, um, I don't know, Alicia Keys, <laughs> uh, Roger Federer kind of grace and cool and calm, Dalai Lama, maybe Thich Nhat Hanh, um, um, uh, maybe Sri K. Dharma Mitra, um, kind of to people. There's a kind of easy as it comes. There's no a no big deal uh, to stuff um, because you know what you know and you know what will come is totally unknowable. And um, that is what the Buddha, I think, became the Buddha. He was he was extremely relaxed for no and didn't have dukkha, didn't have suffering. That word is often translated. Um, he was happy, whatever. Easy come, easy go, as we might say. So there you go. These, this lecture wraps up the, this, these, this little mini series of three. Steadfastness, getting into the practice. practice. This is often where most people um, walk away from meditation. 
because they sit down and their thoughts are driving them mad and they realize that they are thinking so many thoughts and they're not in control and so they go away it's too hard it's too difficult but if you can get through this stage of just sitting down just being there regularly five minutes a day ten minutes a day 20 minutes a day but doing it regularly you'll begin to clearly see begin to see that there are thoughts come and thoughts go and that's natural that's not crazy and you don't have to be driven by them because thoughts come and thoughts go you can experiencing them and as that happens you become more and more able to be in the moment just sitting like watching cars pass on a busy road and no big deal comes this is asking a lot but you can see that it's not very complex just sitting down and being there it's not necessarily very very complex but the the secret in the whole thing is doing it and no one does it overwhelmingly people don't find time to meditate they don't find time uh, to do this stuff and they say it's very complex i don't have the right seat or i don't have the right room or i don't have the right people or i haven't had enough lessons meditation cannot be taught really cannot be taught it only can be done i have interesting questions like can i meditate lying down can i have different seat um do i why don't i teach things like uh, yoga nidra and other things well my simple answer to all of those things is um my approach to meditation is seeing and experiencing truth seeing and experiencing reality if you can meditate lying down and watch your thoughts fine but i think 99% of people who lie down actually just end up falling asleep so they're not learning the technique of meditating i find a lot of people who do not necessarily all but many who do yoga nidra are using it as a as a um uh as a as a escapist technique in the same way as that we use alcohol and tv netflix and mobile phones like just a kind of a way of calming us down before we go back out into the storm of life so my approach to meditation is very buddhist very zen very taoist influenced very patanjali influenced is if you can no matter what posture or no matter how you do it even running or cooking if you can do it regularly and see and what however you do it allows you to experience thoughts coming and thoughts going and you just standing there watching them no matter how you do it then you are meditating but that's why we meditate to watch to get comfortable to be in the moment no big deal this is why we meditate I hope uh this three part mini series has been interesting. I've enjoyed delivering them. 
we'll get back to some uh, yoga stuff <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. It's been my pleasure. I hope you're well. Take care wherever you are. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.